0: thankful tonight to be back at the house of the Lord. I do know tonight that we need the help of the Lord, and I just ask that you pray for us. Pretty heavy, more nervous than normal, but I believe that means God's wanting to do the work. And uh, if you want to read with us tonight, we'll be in Second Samuel, Samuel chapter number 15. Be there and then we'll have one more place to read. Second Samuel chapter number 15. Bear with us for just a minute. It's a little lengthy. First verse it says, And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared his chariots and horses and fifty men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early, and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him, and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. "'Absalom said, "'Moreover, O that I were made judge in the land, "'that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, "'and I would do him justice. "'And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do uh, obeisance, "'he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. "'And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. "'So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel.' And it came to pass after forty years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. And, that, and thy servant vowed a vow while I abode in Geshur and Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. And Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went two hundred men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity that they knew not anything. And Absalom sent forth Ahithopel the Gilanite, David's counselor from his city, even from Giloth, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. And there came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all the servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly, and bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword." And the king's servant said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. And the king went forth, and all his household after him. And the king left ten women, which were concubines, to keep the house. And the king went forth, and all the people after him, and tarried in a place that was far off. <clears throat> Book of James tonight, the first chapter. Chapter 1, verse number 8. James says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. It's what's on my heart tonight to read. and You might say, well, uh, hit sitting here reading this verse and reading this place, what's this got to do with revival? And uh, I just tell you, I've uh, been seeking the face of the Lord and and I guess really what's on my heart is I've just got a question and it's, where's the King gone? <clears throat> That's what's on my heart tonight is where's the King gone? And you know, I've spent a lot of times in service and I've spent a lot of times in my life going to church and hearing old folks talk about how it used to be. And I'm thankful for those stories, Brother Kent, of how it used to be. And I'm thankful for the ones that should and days gone by. And I'm thankful for the good tire that I heard about all those years ago. But you know, I'm awful tired as a young man of hearing what it used to be like. I'm awful tired as a young man of saying, "Well." We used to have power. We used to do this. We used to do that. And we've seen my God move in our church. I've heard that my whole life. And listen, I go to churches and I go to revivals and it's not here. It's just about everywhere that you travel. It just seems like you're searching for that fresh man and that Spirit of God that will fall out of heaven. You're just searching for that right touch. You're searching for the people of God to love God in their hearts. Begin to lift Him up high, believe. Everything. You're searching for the movement of God that folks have always told you about. And you're searching for the movement of God that you feel in your heart, that you desire that you want to see. And I'm glad that God's not changed and He still can come by. But my question then is, when you sit down and self-evaluate, when you look back over your life and you look back over our services, then we've got to ask ourselves, where is the key? Where is He tonight, friends? Uh, Listen, I believe that He still wants to meet with His church. Uh, He's promised that He would leave a remnant of people somewhere. uh, And I believe that He loves His people with all His heart. Uh, He does not forsake us. uh, And He does not leave us. Uh, that very plainly. It lets us know. And you know as a pastor, as a pastor I've sat back and watched, it's taught me more in my journey of preaching in the time that I've pastored than anything else. Listen, because I've got to sit back and I've got to watch my people. I've got to see. I told you not long ago that I can't tell you how many services that I've spent preaching the glazed over eyes. I can't tell you how many services that I've spent where folks come into the house of God half-hearted. But listen, the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Listen, you can't have God one day and not the other. You can't be in today and then out tomorrow. You can't walk Want this yes, and want what's out there too. It's being double-minded. And listen, that leads to ruining the rest of your life if you begin to take your eyes off of the Lord. Listen, Peter was doing all right when he first stepped out of that boat. He was doing just fine when he took those first few steps of faith. No man ever had walked on water. Him and Jesus sat there, just the two of them walking together. But you know what happened? It said that he took his eyes off of the Lord and began to look at the trouble that was around him. He began to look at the waves roll. He began to Look at how the wind blowed. And listen, he got his mind off of the Lord and began to focus on everything else. Begin to focus on that which was around him. And it says that he sank. And you know, I want to say tonight, you say, listen, don't you need to preach to the lost tonight? It's Friday night. I understand that. But listen, these lost have had enough preaching that if God wants to save them, He can take that Word and save them. But I believe tonight that we have to ask ourselves, where is the King? And where is the Lord? And then if we get an answer that we don't like, we've got to do something about that. listen, We've spent so long saying, He can, He can, He can, but then never seen Him do. I agree with the brother to what he said. I believe it was last night. He said, I'm so tired of seeing the devil win. And I'm so tired of seeing the devil win in my lifetime, in my home, with my family. I'm tired of Him winning in church. I'm tired. Chaos that's always going around. I'll tell you, if you take your eyes off the Lord and begin to give him space to work, he will cause division and he will cause trouble. And it's hard to ever have the Spirit of God when our minds and our hearts. Carried away on something else. Listen, I begin to think about Absalom here. Listen, David was a man after God's own heart. Most of his life, we all know about the trouble that he had when he was there with Bathsheba. But the vast majority of David's life, he had victory. Everywhere he went, he had power. Every time he fought a war, it seemed like he won. God was all over that man. But he had a few dark spots in his life. And his son Absalom was one of the worst things that ever happened to him while that he was the king. What I read to you in the hearing tonight... Over there, it talks about Absalom. And you know, Absalom was the third son of David. He had two others. He had some daughters. But Absalom was a man that was dearly loved. I believe that he was just a little bit spoiled because he was loved so much. And listen, even here in the Bible, it says that to look on his countenance, he was more fair than all the others in that land. And listen, Absalom, because of the way that he was treated, because of the way that he was looked upon, and because of who his daddy was, begin to get a little bit puffed up and begin to get a little bit proud. But did you know that the Bible says that pride comes before a fall? And there's not a one of us tonight that wants to fall away from the Lord. There's not a one of us tonight that don't want to be in His good graces. Listen, we've got to get that stuff behind us because it's not your name that's going to get folks saved you know i want to say before i get into this that you know today we have it so backwards i believe i preached this in spring meeting but i got to do it again today we have it so backwards You know, I've spent years now listening to folks talk about lost people and talk about how sinners go to the altar. And I hear this talk over and over. They say, well, if they just get worried about themselves, well, if they would just get under a burden and move, then maybe we'd be able to move and pray for them. But friends, it won't work that way. Listen, if you're not concerned for them, why should they be concerned for themselves? If we can't get the power of God, why do you think that they have any hope. Listen, the church has a work to do. I know that salvation at the end of the day is between them and God and them and God alone. I know that it's that narrow path and it gets more narrow the closer that you get to the door and it eventually gets so narrow that only them and the Lord can walk through. But I'm telling you, it's the church that was given authority. It's the church that was given power. It's the church that's been entrusted with the Gospel. We can say it's all up to them and if you leave it all up to them, they'll job to hold this thing up. It's not just the preacher, the pastor, the evangelist job to hold this thing up. You can give a preacher all the money in the world that you want to, but you can't pay him enough to make the power of God fall. You can't pay him enough to make him do your part that you're slacking on where one man can't do it. And you know what happened here? I've run into a little trouble. And you know, I've swung in his mind and him being put up, his position of authority and where he was. He ran into a little trouble. And he had a sister over there. You can read about the 13th chapter. And it said that she was very beautiful to look on. And he loved his sister. He had a half-brother over there. And that half-brother of his began to desire his sister. It was a wicked thing and an awful sin that you and I don't understand today. But he began to desire. And by force, he made that sister lie with him. Absalom knew that this had happened. Absalom knew that this horrible thing had happened to his sister. And listen, what did he do? They went and told the king. They went and told David. And you know what David did? He did absolutely nothing. Now we can blame Absalom here. But I believe in my whole heart that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If you can get ahead of something before it's starts, if you can put trouble out in the open when it's hidden away, if you can expose it for what it is, bring the darkness into life, if you can get ahead of something, you can prevent a lot of the trouble that the devil takes to do. You know there's a reason tonight that we do things in secret. There's a reason tonight that we do things sneakily behind folks' backs. And it's because we don't want somebody else to know. Because we know that what we're doing is not right. You know, Bible tells us plainly that a house divided cannot stand. It's not possible. Bible tells us as Christians that we cannot serve God and man. It's not possible. It's not possible to serve two masters. It's not possible to be one way today and the next way tomorrow. It's not possible to have the power of God and your heart be somewhere else. Absalom over here. This trouble came. And you know, I want to say to you tonight, everything that you read in this book about Absalom, most of it was his fault. And yes, David was at fault for not stepping up and enforcing the law. David was at fault for being lax in his duties. He was at fault for sitting by idly while everything just happened. And it was that little trouble out there was all that it took for the devil to begin to plant a seed of rebellion. And that's heart. You know what it says over there that he brought his sister back to his house and she lived with him for two years. She had been abused. She had been broken according to the law. She was as good as filthy at this point. And he brought her in. And in his good intentions, he's sitting there looking at her every single day when he eats dinner with her when he goes to bed, when he wakes up and he sees the condition that she's in. And you know what happens? Listen, if David would have done what David was supposed to do, that little seed of anger and that little seed of hatred would have never started. If he had done his job to start with, that trouble would have never started. But listen, at the end of the day, when they stand in judgment, do you know who's going to be judged more harshly? It's Absalom. Because that started, that trouble started it. And he begins to get angry in his heart. He begins to feel mad. And he's waiting on David to do something. And David does nothing. So he takes it upon himself to take matters into his own hands. And listen, friends, that'll get you in trouble. That'll get you in trouble. I don't know what you know about church. I don't know what you know about our rules. But listen, you're just one boat. I'm just one vote at my church. I have no authority or power to vote in this place. You have no authority or power to vote in my place. We each have our own government. We each have our own ability to do those things. But I'm telling you, friends, when you get out on your own and try to stand on your own without the Lord, trouble will always follow you. Listen, I want to say to us tonight that we're not good as Baptist folks of seeing the end game. We're not good at looking at the bigger picture. We get so bogged down in trouble. We get so bogged down in doctrine. We get so bogged down in sin that that's all that we can focus on. And we begin to forget that there's sinners that's lost. We begin to forget that they spoke that's gonna spread wide open, And we spend our lives our whole entire Christian walk with God, worrying about this little trouble, talking about this other one, looking at someone else's life and judging them when we should be about the Father's business. <laughs> You know Absalom over here took it upon himself to avenge his sister. He gets his half brother, he gets him in, and he kills him. And that's why I said, listen, David was at fault, and don't you misunderstand me, but it was him acting on his own that led to the worst sin, and that eventually led to the rift in Israel. It was that eventually is why the king had to leave his rightful place. He goes over the there. And he commits that murder. And he flees the country. He goes to Syria for three years because he's afraid of his father. You know what happens over there? It says that David desired to go and hug Absalom. He desired to go talk to him for a minute. He desired to fellowship and get things right. But you know what David didn't do? David never took the initiative to go and find his son. He sat back and said, God's going to take care of it." And we've done that so much in our Christian walks with God. We've sat back and said, God's going to take care of these sinners. We've sat back and said, God's going to take care of the trouble. We've sat back and desired that good things would happen. And we sit around and we wait and we wait and we wait for the movement of God. But you know where the king was? He sat in his place. <laughs> you know, if there's been a wrong between you and a brother, it's not always God's place to knock you out of your seat to make your folks see. You've got the Word, do we not? If there's trouble in your home, it's not always God's place. <laughs> to knock you out of your seat to go fix things with your wife. You know, the Bible says, and I believe that it's true not only of natural marriage, but of spiritual marriage. It talks about that if you have a rift between you and your wife, that your prayers are hindered. How many of us tonight wants to go to talk to God and God's not back? Where's the King, God? Where is He when we meet Him? We need to examine ourselves. I believe tonight that if there's trouble, whether it's small, whether it's great, if there's trouble, that your prayers will be hindered. And listen, you can rely on your doctrine. You can rely on truth. You can rely on what you've always done. But without the Spirit of God, there is no help for these lost people because they must be drawn. They must be convicted for them to ever If they're not under conviction, according to that book, they can pray from now until judgment day and they cannot be saved. If they're not under conviction. And you say, oh, well, anybody can be saved. Yes, they can. When God opens the door and when He begins to draw. But if conviction's not there, there's no hope for them. We say we need conviction. And we say we need to pray the power of God down. But if our prayers are hindered, we see them on the altar, we sit around can't do nothing to help them If our prayers are hindered, let me ask you tonight, what hope you think they got? You say, oh, it don't rely that much on me. Yes, it does. The Bible says to quench not the Spirit. And listen, if he's gone, if the king moves, it's because there's something that's standing in the way. If the king moves out, there's no hope for them. You say, he can't do that. He warned Ephesus over in the second chapter of the book of Revelation. He said, you got to get some things straight. I'll take that candle seat, I'll take the fire. And I'll take the light. And you'll be on your own. Absalom's rebellion... Led him to a place of spiritual ruin. David is sitting around doing nothing about it. And both sides of the thing are just sitting here blaming the other one. Both of them are sitting here looking at the other one saying, I can't believe what they've done to me. Then, three years earlier, if they would have got ahead, When three years earlier, if David would have remembered, that's my son, and Absalom would have remembered, that's my father, if they would have just turned together and worked on it, we never would have been here. And we never would have seen David have to flee the country. We never would have seen the rightful king of Israel have to fight for his life. We never would have seen the rightful king of Israel have to hide himself away from the very son that that he loved with his whole heart. You know, David never imagined. As a child, holding Absalom, rocking him, that Absalom one day would be his enemy. And I never imagined that some of my brothers and sisters would have turned on me, but they have. And I have never imagined some of the trouble that I've seen in my church life, but I have. You know who that hurts? Does it hurt you? Yes, it does. But you know who it hurts the worst? It hurts the lost. You know what, New Zion, I don't care to say the name, listen. I'll just tell you, New Zion, when I was growing up, I can remember a couple of different times I can remember one time that there was an altercation in the church so bad that two deacons met each other in the altar and there was somebody that had to step between them because it was possible that they was going to swing on each other here in the church house. You know what was wrong with that? Yes, they were both out of line. Yes, there was trouble. But there was lost people watching how the children of God acted. There was lost people listening to the words come out of their mouth. And they're looking at these men who are supposed to be spiritual leaders. Saying, why are they acting this way? I've seen trouble come one time. And listen... One of the deacons got married and walked out and never came back. One of the sisters on the side, he walked by her and she thought, And she watched her brother walk out of the house of God and never return. Where's our hearts at? I Unstable all of his ways. The brothers done told you there's not a single person in this house tonight that is your enemy. We have an enemy that's going around seeking like a roaring lion, seeking whom that he may power. But your brothers and your sisters are here to lock arms with each other. You know, it talks about over in the book of Matthew, Jesus himself said, if two come together and touch and agree, anything that they ask can be given to them out of heaven. You know, I told you, that listen, over there, well, you think about this. Thank you, Lord. What about the day of Pentecost? What happened? Listen, they dwelt together in unity. And the power of God came. They prayed, they fasted, they labored together, put in an effort first. They made that move towards God. They consecrated themselves. They cleaned themselves up. And when they was in shape, and the time was right, the Spirit moved through that upper room like a mighty Russian wind. And it said that they spoke with cloven tongues of fire. Thousands were saved in those days. It still can happen. But we live in a day and a time where there's no unity. We have no unity of doctrine. We have no unity with the church three miles down the road. We have no unity with our brothers and sisters because everything is about me. Where's the king go when church becomes about me? You know, the Bible tells us plainly. It says, if I be lifted up, that I'll draw all men unto me. When church is about me and not the Lord, what hope do they have? When church is about my feelings and not the Lord, what hope do they have? When revival is about me and the revival helper that I want and what I think should happen, what hope do they have tonight? Where does the King go when church is about you and He intends for it to be about Him? He goes afar off. You know, there did come a day that there was some reconciliation There did come a day that there was a little bit of time that they came together, David and Absalom, but the seeds of rebellion had been there and they were growing. And even though at face value, things was okay. Down on the inside, there was things happening behind the scenes. And you know, Absalom over here begins to think about himself and think, I can be a better king. I can be a better leader. I love my father's position. I want to to another forty. I want to do this. Me, me, me. That's where we find him at the start of our reading. It says that he was over there and gathered his men together with him. The people that was on his side said he stood in the gate and for forty years, when there was trouble, for forty years, when there was bickering, and somebody needed an ear to talk to, instead of doing the right thing. And go into the right booking I just want to say, come over here with me. Let's talk for a while. Any guy will talk today and talk to me. Let's me and you get this sort out. Huh. I want to say to you tonight. Do you expect anybody to have confidence in your church when all you can do is throw them down? Whoa. That's not me. How many times you caught yourself at the dinner table talking about that, brother and sister, boy, if they just if they just need singing better. Boy, they took them around and they talked, and I don't think the Lord was with them. Boy, if they just keep their kids quiet. Boy, if the preacher just got a little bit more hold of something. Listen, you'll go out in public and they'll say, How was church? You'll say, It was dead. There's nothing there. We're just so weak. It's just so pitiful. And all you ever find yourself doing is running down the work that the Lord wants to pick up. Do you think they're going to come? If all you do is run down your preacher and you think people not want to listen to him, if all you can do is talk about that wicked brother or sister that sits next to you, do you think they're going to come to you? No. A double minded man is unstable in all of his life. I can't stand for somebody to come look at me and smile and talk to my face like everything's alright and go behind me and run me down like a dog. A double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways. And I want to say tonight that it led to rebellion. And Absalom gets here, and he gets to a place where he eventually gets enough people on his side. And he says, now is the time that I'm going to overthrow my father. (laughs) You know it says the word got to him? said he had to flee and he was gone. And Israel was in absolute turmoil. The king that they loved. David, their champion. He was so David, the one who was ordained by God. David, the one who they found victory through, He was gone. And now suddenly you've got a fake king. He's out here far away. Where does your loyalty lie? And you find yourself in a constant state of back and forth. You know if an enemy would have wanted to do in that day, that could have absolutely destroyed him. Because they didn't have loyalty. Some of them was loyal to this king. Some of them was loyal to that king. Some of them didn't know what to do. Some of them was stuck in the middle. And if the devil or an enemy would have come in that hour, they'd love to You know, we stay in such a state of conscience back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. forth. (laughs) We wonder, where is the king? Why is he not with us? because we've let Absalom steal heart. It's because we've let the affections of this world stand in front of the work that God has called us to do. David gets out and flees. Absalom sets up. It does come time for them to battle. And you know, Absalom lost his life over his rebellion. If he would have just stayed with David, if they would have dwelt together in unity, in Israel, he had never found himself on the battlefield. He had never found himself hung up there in the tree, caught by his hair. They'd never run the darts through his heart. He would not have died. If all of them years back, if all of them years back, then little things would be rectified. Their household would not be in disaster. If all them years back when David in his heart desired his son would have went and hugged him and said, son, I'm so sorry that I failed. If all them years back if they could have rectified Absalom would have never been a murderer. He would have never done what he did. And he wouldn't have died. It's not a good time to see your brothers and sisters struggling. When Absalom died, there was a few that was with David that was so happy that Absalom was gone. But David, being the spiritual man that he was, mourned. Because that was his son. That was his brother. That was his love. That had lost his life. I'm not proud when I hear my brothers and sisters falling. And if you're one that is waiting on the next piece of gossip, if you're one that can't wait to hear the newest piece of juicy news, if you're one that can't wait to hear that someone else's marriage is in trouble just so you can run them down and say, well, I told you so. Shame on you tonight. You ain't got an ounce of love in your heart. And you wonder where the king's at. Sometimes we need to examine ourselves. We say, where's the king? You know why he left right here? Because of the trouble. Sometimes we need to look in the mirror and say, well, is it me? Yes. Say, "Is it? have I been doing something? Yes. You say, well, get them, preach, preach to them. I know what they're doing. It's for you. Where's the king? One or two people can't make a revival happen. Can't. Appreciate what the sister said the other night. She began to talk and she said, well, Jonah... Over there, she said, he got to a place and he saw the ship was sinking and he saw that it was him. And that's when he's willing to cast himself overboard. You know there's no shame today in going to your brothers and sisters and say, I'm sorry, I've sinned against you. You know you can't sit in your seat in your pompous Baptist way and say, I'll think about forgiving you. Bible says we're to forgive each other 70 times 7 in a day. The Bible says we ought to esteem each other more highly than we esteem ourselves. If you truly thought of your brothers and sisters the way God intends you to, trouble would never happen. The king would never leave. And the people would not be split. The people would not be in disarray. The chaos wouldn't have never happened. The death of Absalom wouldn't have never happened. And David wouldn't have to go back to home with his head hung low because he had lost. Sure, he was going back to his palace, but he lost. He lost his son. Nobody wins in church trouble. Nobody. You understand me tonight. Nobody wins in church trouble. That's your brother. Nobody wins when your home's in a wreck. That's your brother. It's not something to rejoice over. I'm telling you tonight, where's the king? I know where he was in this day. Rebellion, disobedience, dishonesty, distrust led him so far away that the people came in trouble. A double minded man is unstable in all of its ways. If you're double-minded in church, you're double-minded at home. If you're double-minded at home, you're double-minded in church. You can't act one way and do another. Bitter water and sweet water don't come from the same (laughs) well. I tell you tonight, I believe with my whole heart. You know, you say, brother, why have you preached this? Listen, I know you ain't got the answer. That's all right. I'm glad. I hope it's hitting where it needs to. But you know, I walked in this first night and I'm just going to tell you my heart, you may never ask me to come back. It's fine. Listen, when I told you I'd come to help you, I promised that I'd help regardless of what God gave me to do. Whether it's preach to the lost or whether it's to preach to others. I promise the Lord, I will do my best. <laughs> but you know, I walked in the first night, I had just come out of revival at Big Meadow and spiritually in my heart, I was so free. And spiritually, I was so carried away. And I got to pray over this thing, and it just seemed like the devil just went and locked me up. You say, well, preacher, what is that? I don't know. That's what I've been praying about. I've been saying, God, can we get loose? God, can we come unbound? God, can you move? God, can you come save these sinners? Can you just do something in our lives? course you can have you forced Him to leave? If where you are in your walk with God has forced Him to go, what are we going to do? I tell you, I'm okay with these sinners coming and praying tonight. I am. You've heard the Word. If God's a-dealing with your heart, that's fine. But you want the power of God in church. You want them to find help. You say in your heart, where's the King? It's me. Me, Ethan Strong. It's you. Every single one of you. That when we rebel, when our heart's carried away with something else, it's me that calls the King to leave. I don't want to be guilty tonight. I want your kids to be saved. I want every unplayed family to be left behind so that we can go on to the glory of God. I want the power of God to fall one more time. Where's the king? Is it you? If it is you, there's no shame. If your brothers and sisters judge you for coming to this altar, we can deal with it. There's no shame as a saved person coming to this altar and getting her cleaned up. There's no shame and looking and saying, it's me. I'm the reason that we're struggling. It's no shame in that. This altar's for you tonight. You might say, preacher, that's the oddest message I ever heard in a revival. I want revival, don't you? And if we want revival and we want God, and we say, where's the King? Let's make sure it's not us that's wrong. While we stand and sing, it's all that's on the heart tonight. Church, I love you, or I wouldn't have preached to you what it is. Whatever you need to do tonight, you feel free. Sinners, you seek the Lord. We need the fire of God.